Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors, especially the Moyer family and all the extended and relatives here for Little Walker's baptism this morning. If you've ever been up to a mountaintop, you know, first of all, how difficult that can be to get up there, winding along the roads with your car or straining with your legs and arms to climb up there, but it is so worth it. It is beautiful up at the top of a mountain. You can see for miles the different sights of nature, the, the rolling plains, the other mountains, the sunset and the sunrise. Well, today we'll be going up on the mountain with Jesus, Peter, John, and James. We'll see something that's more beautiful than anything else in all of creation. Jesus, he shines brighter. We'll follow the order of service as it's printed out for us in our worship folder as well as projected on the screen. Let's begin with our opening hymn. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and 
let us confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only Son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah, and in the voice that came from the bright cloud, you foreshadowed our adoption as your sons. In your mercy, make us co-heirs of glory with Jesus our King, and bring us at last to heaven. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Congregation, please be seated as the baptismal family comes up. Travis and Lauren, no matter how many times it happens, having a child, that is, it's such an amazing and glorious blessing. And now today, little Walker becomes a child of God as well. All the glories that we're talking about today become walkers through baptism. And so Walker, Nash Moyer, received the sign of the cross over the head and over the heart to mark you as a redeemed child of God. This time you may lean his head over. Walker Nash Moyer, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has forgiven all of your sins. By your baptism, you are reborn and made a child of God. May his peace go with you all the days of your life. Amen. When Jesus commanded baptism, he commanded not only that all nations be baptized, but also that they be taught to obey everything he had commanded them. God gives the primary responsibility for this to parents, to raise your child to know Jesus as his Savior. We're very blessed here at St. Paul's to be able to partner with you through our various ministries in raising Walker. But if you're willing to accept that responsibility of raising him to know his Savior, uh, Travis and Lauren, please say yes, and we ask God to help us. And let us pray. Dear Lord, we praise you for the washing of rebirth and renewal that you have given to Walker Nash Moyer this morning. Please continue to bless him, grow him in his faith by your Holy Spirit. Be with Travis and Lauren and, and the rest of the family as they encourage him as well. Uh, be with our congregation and help us uh, to encourage all who are baptized to stay in their baptismal grace and continue growing in Christ. We ask these things all in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Okay, you may return to your seats. So this morning in our service, we're hearing about glory up on the mountain. That kind of thing already happened back in the Old Testament. Um, as Moses was up on the mountain and speaking with the Lord, his face became radiant. We'll hear about that in our first reading from Exodus 34. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. 
When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our second lesson from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we learn that, sure, that Old Testament glory was great, but nothing compared to the new covenant in Jesus. Because of that, we are bold in the presence of our God. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Please stand to sing the gospel acclamation together. my son whom I love, listen to him. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The gospel from Luke chapter 9 serves as the basis for our sermon today. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. 
The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our next hymn.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Lord. Amen. God's word we consider in our sermon today, the gospel from Luke chapter 9. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When you hear from someone that you deeply care about, I don't have long to live, it shocks you. It takes quite a bit to process. That's difficult news. And it's no easier to hear that you yourself are going to die soon. It had been about eight days since Jesus told his disciples in no uncertain terms that he would have to suffer and die and then rise again. They only heard the first part, though. And at that time, Jesus also told his disciples if anyone would want to save his life, he must lose it for my sake. Putting to death your sinful nature every day. Setting aside your own plans and pleasures to follow Jesus' plans and pleasures. Enduring discomfort on your own and dislike from others. As someone who follows Jesus on the way to the cross. This was a lot to take in. After all the miracles of Jesus' ministry, and as we've seen throughout the Epiphany season too, this was heavy, difficult news. Yet today, you and I have the distinct privilege. We are among the chosen few who are able to go with Jesus and a few disciples up onto this glorious mountain. Also that... We are ready to face the cross because of a glorious conversation and also because of a gracious confirmation. Jesus was resolved to go to the cross, but that didn't mean that it was going to be easy. And so Luke's gospel, more than any of the other three gospels, focuses on Jesus in prayer. Talks about Jesus praying more than the other gospels. And he says here, that's what he went up on the mountain to do, to pray. And as he was praying, the look of his face altered, and his clothes, his garments changed, so they were gleaming like lightning, bright white. Of all the miracles in the Epiphany season, whether it was changing water into wine, or healing the sick, or driving out demons, this one up on the Mount of Transfiguration outshines them all. It is the peak and the pinnacle. Jesus' glory and his holiness and his power as the Son of God, God himself, light from true light, shining through. Jesus was there in glorious splendor together with Moses and Elijah. Now you notice they weren't talking about what had been going on in heaven since Jesus was down on earth and how much Moses and Elijah missed Jesus and can't wait to have you back up in heaven. No. They were talking about Jesus' departure, which was about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. That was talking about Jesus fulfilling his mission, going to suffer and die at the cross 
for the sins of the whole world. Who better to talk to about ministering to an ungrateful people than Moses? The Israelites were continually complaining and conspiring against Moses. And who better to talk to about being hunted down and wanting to have your life taken than Elijah? Elijah spoke boldly to Ahab and Jezebel about their wickedness, and Jezebel swore that she would slaughter him. Elijah ran for his life. And here they were. After all of the difficulty and darkness and distress in their life, here they were in glory with Jesus. In the same glory that Jesus was on his way to win for them. They enjoyed even at that time. Peter, James, and John, just like when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, their eyelids were heavy. They were sleepy. We are so weak, yet Jesus is strong for us. And then Peter, as usual, his mouth was about ten steps ahead of his brain. Hey, it's good to be here. Let's put up some shelters. Let's stay a while as Moses and Elijah were leaving. We are so foolish, yet Jesus always knows best. On the path to glory, the cross must come first. So as we face our crosses, our difficulties as we follow Jesus, remember this glorious conversation on the mountain. When you are weighed down by guilt and difficulty and frustration and your sins and your past, remember this glorious conversation. When other people around you in your life try to pull you away from Jesus, remember this glorious conversation. When it doesn't seem like it's worth following Jesus anymore, it's too tough, we can't do it anymore. Remember this glorious conversation. When you face doubts about your faith or about God or death or what happens after death, remember this glorious conversation. Because after the cross, this is what you will enjoy too. Seeing Jesus face to face in glory. Because of his departure for you at Jerusalem, you will depart in peace. You are ready to face anything. Ready to face the cross because of this glorious conversation. But also because of the gracious confirmation that happened up on the mountain. When a, a thick fog settles around Howard's or Sheboygan County, that can be a little bit tense trying to drive around town with that. You can't see where you're going. You have to drive a lot slower. You're not sure if you're going to run into something or if someone's going to hit you. But as unsettling as that can be, this cloud on the Mount of Transfiguration was terrifying for Peter, James, and John. This was the glory of the Lord, the same glory of the Lord that had appeared on the Mount Sinai and had appeared to the Israelites as they were wandering in the wilderness that Moses saw as he talked with God and his face was radiant. This was the same glory of the Holy Lord that filled the temple in Jerusalem when King Solomon dedicated it. It's that glory that you and I, too, will stand in front of 
when we leave this world, on the day of our death, for sinners to stand in the presence of the holy God, the glory of the Lord, that is a terrifying thing. Because you and I have been weak, just like Peter, John, and James. We have been foolish and ignorant, just like Peter, quick to speak, slow to think. We've had our objections to the difficulties Jesus asks us to go through. We should be terrified by that cloud. We should be rejected from him forever. But then came a voice from the cloud. This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. This was the Heavenly Father's gracious confirmation. He's my son. Jesus is the one. This was the same voice that sounded at Jesus' baptism by the Jordan River, now resounding on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Father and the Son have always had this amazing, unique, special relationship. Centuries earlier, it had been recorded in Psalm 2. You are my son. I am your father. And after the voice spoke, the clouds parted. At the confirmation of Jesus and God's grace in Jesus, all of our fear dissipates. All of our terror fades away. All of our dread disperses. With Jesus there, we have nothing to fear. He took all of our objections, all of our foolishness, all of our weakness, all of our sin to the cross at Jerusalem, and we are forgiven. Listen to him. That's what Peter, James, and John did. Luke, at the end of this account, says that they told no one about what they had seen until later. Well, Matthew and Mark's gospel mentioned Jesus' order and command. Jesus said, don't tell anyone about this until after the Son of Man rises from the dead. But Luke mentions, well, they listened to him. They did that. They listened to Jesus' words. Now, if you and I had been there, if, if you and I were Peter, would you have wanted to take a selfie up there with Moses and Elijah? and message it to your wife? I probably would have. If you and I had been James and John, we'd want to get on the phone and call our father Zebedee and our fishing buddies. Guess what just happened? This was amazing. But Peter and John, they listened to Jesus. They didn't talk about it at that time. They waited. And you and I, too, we listen to Jesus. We can't comprehend how one person could take away the sins of the world completely at the cross, yet Jesus said, it is finished. We listen to him. We can't fully grasp how in a splash of water and a few spoken words, God can save someone. But Jesus said, that's how disciples are made, and that's how we enter the kingdom of heaven. So we listen to him what little Walker did this morning. He was listening to Jesus. And by Jesus' power and Jesus' promises in the word, he received those glorious blessings. We can't understand how Jesus' body and blood can truly be there with the bread and wine in, in communion. We talked about that in catechism class the last couple of weeks with the kids again. It tastes like bread. 
It tastes like wine, but Jesus' body and blood are there for our forgiveness. We listen to him. We can't comprehend how after we die, God can take our mortal bodies and raise them from the dead, give us new and glorious bodies. We've never seen that happen. That doesn't make any sense to our natural reason, but we listen to Jesus because of our Father's gracious confirmation up on the mountain. He's the one. He's the one God chose. He is our Savior. We are ready. We are ready to face any difficulty, any darkness, any discomfort, any cross. We are ready to face the cross because of the glorious conversation up on that mountain and because of our Father's gracious confirmation on that mountain too. May God grant it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated at this time for the song of praise.
At this time, we invite forward the members of our building committee for the installation. Dear brothers in Christ, in holy baptism, our Lord Jesus Christ freed you from sin and death and made you members of his body, the church. Through word and sacrament, you have been nurtured in faith. The Spirit has seen fit to give you gifts for serving on behalf of our congregation. You have now been appointed to the building committee who will guide and oversee the construction of our growing forward ministry expansion. The Lord says, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. He asks you to carry out your duties to the best of your ability using your gifts to his glory and for the good of his people. And the same Lord who has given you these gifts will strengthen you to use them faithfully, and he will bless your work in his name. As leaders in our congregation, it is also important for you to set an example for your families and your fellow believers in your Christian living and your faithful use of the means of grace, God's word and sacraments. These will empower you and guide you in your tasks. Will you carry out the duties to which you have been appointed according to the ability which God gives you if so, answer, I will, and I ask God to help me. I now install you to the building committee in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This time, I ask you to turn around and introduce yourself to the congregation by saying your name, and then also any special role on the building committee that you carry out. My name is Larry Yeager, and I'm the chairman of the committee. I'm Dave Wehrman. I'm the um, uh, on-site cooperation. Andy Sprenger. I'll be the chair of the subcommittee for the trades, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. John Martin. I'm secretary on the building committee and part-time representative on-site. Tim Norrell. I'm going to be the chair of the structural and exterior finishes committee. Thank you, men. Members of St. Paul's, I urge you to regard these leaders as servants of Jesus and gifts to his church. Please pray for them, support them in their service, and help them, so that through the gospel ministry of our congregation, more people may hear and believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord. All right, men, you may return to your seats. At this time, the congregation is invited to stand for prayer. Almighty God and Father, we thank you for all your mercies, especially for the gift of your Son, through whom you have revealed your gracious will. We praise you for your Holy Spirit and his working through the means of grace. Strengthen and defend your church that by your word and sacraments, faith may grow and love toward all may increase. Keep our children in the grace of their baptisms. Enable their parents to train them in lives of faith. Preserve our nation in justice and honor. Guide and bless all who make, administer, and judge our laws. 
Let your blessing rest on planting and harvest, commerce and industry, medicine and science, the arts and culture. Protect all who travel and care for those whose work is difficult or dangerous. Comfort all who are in sorrow or need, sickness or adversity. Especially be with Pete Prangy as on Monday he undergoes a procedure for his health. Please, in your grace and mercy, see him through that and grant him health and stability. Above all, point him to trust in you as a child of the Heavenly Father. Remember those who suffer persecution for the faith. Have mercy on those for whom death draws near. Hear us, Lord, as we pray in silence. We remember with thanksgiving those who have loved and served you, who now rest from their labors. Console those who are mourning or living with sadness. And Heavenly Father, please also bless the work of our building committee and the ongoing work of our Growing Forward campaign. Please continue to grant support for that and involvement and graciously bless all of our efforts to reach out with Jesus' name to our community around us. Grant these things, Father, for the sake of Jesus, who died and rose again. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty and everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lived among us as a human being and revealed his glory as your only Son, full of grace and truth. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. give thanks to you, O God, through your dear Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent to be our Savior, our Redeemer, and the messenger of your grace. Through him you made all things. In him you are well pleased. He is the incarnate Word, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. To fulfill your promises, he stretched out his hands on the cross 
and released from eternal death all who believe in you. As we remember Jesus' death and resurrection, we thank you that you have gathered us together to receive your Son's body and blood. Send us your Spirit, unite us as one, and strengthen our faith so that we may praise you in, our son, in your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we glorify and honor you, O God our Father, with the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord will be with you always.